to do the right thing in any situation. For example, what is the right way to groom a horse? By posing as a little girl on the internet. <laughs> I'm Danielle Ward and with me trying to do the right thing today, unappreciated in his own time, which was the 1980s, it's Michael Legg. And with him, after a long-fought contest, he's finally the most famous host of the Bugle. It's Andy Zoltzman. She's like a cross between a vaudeville magician and a coaster. It's Margaret K. Vaughan Smith. And with her, imagine a bus street kid with senile dementia. It's Luke Sandler. Like a game of Russian roulette, we're all dreading the first live round. It's the importance of being right. Just like the man who tweeted he thought the new Ghostbusters film looked all right, I've run into some trouble online. (laughs) In this round, I'm going to give each team a scenario and they're going to tell me what is the right thing to do according to David Mitchell and Robert Webb Page. (laughs) Oh my God, that's a new low. (laughs) Margaret and Lou. Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. It's the most wonderful time of the year and you're full of goodwill to all men, women and the trans community. Nana has snaffled the last of the quality street and Grandad died years ago, so you don't worry about him anymore. (laughs) You turn on the radio ready to listen to the Queen's speech, but instead it's an emergency broadcast. Prepare for nuclear fallout. So what is the right way to prepare a fallout shelter in your own home according to the Protect and Survive booklet distributed in the UK in the 80s? NB has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> Does nuclear Armageddon scare you, Margaret? Just doing this show scares me. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you remember they had a booklet just after 9-11 yeah. that came around? We had one of those delivered through our door. And my response to it was, I went and bought a massive bottle of water <laughs> and put it in a cupboard. And Take that, Bin Laden. <laughs> but it did make me feel a bit better and then, you know is it still there? no only because we moved 10 years later <laughs> what I don't get is I mean oh look this is what happened in 9-11 why don't you get a bottle of water it's not like everyone in the Twin Towers has gone fuck there's a plane coming get the water out <laughs> they might have been able to put out those metal That's beams what I'm thinking, also that? also water is really nice when you're thirsty oh yeah <laughs> But ironically, of course, Bin Laden himself ended up in the sea. Yes! This was the start of the battle between water on the side of good. Makes sense now. The problem is, though, he probably would have decomposed in the sea and therefore got got into the the kind of global system. Yeah. I mean, there's now a possibility that you could get a molecule in just an ordinary glass of water that used to be in Osama Bin Laden's penis. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but then you could also get even it out with people like David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't die in the I, he sea. He didn't really decompose. But he went to. He went in the sea. Not to you? die. I still don't know why the government killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, with hindsight. 
hindsight, it was a mistake. People didn't like it, did they? No, it was a really bad move. And it's quite interesting if you look at when the Tories have come in. There's a distinct pattern in them bumping off avant-garde musical figures. Because um, in 2010, I believe just a few months after Cameron took office, Captain Beefheart died. 1992, after Major won the election, John Cage died. So there clearly is some scheme where the, the Conservatives on taking office treat themselves to slaughtering a, some kind of musical visionary. Well, I mean, what I want to know is why. Yeah. And if they've got a good reason for it, I don't mind if it's going to keep unemployment figures down. Fine. And did you remember the terror of the Cold War? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was that really awkward weekend I had in Cuba. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, we were kind of all convinced in the 1980s that the world was probably going to end at some point, which made it even more annoying that England was so bad at cricket. <laughs> Just give us something. I was really scared of the nuclear war when I was a kid, and I said to my mum, I'm really scared, and she said, don't worry, we live in London. You'll be gone before you know anything. <laughs> She's a clever one. That was absolutely what I needed to hear, and it stopped me worrying. So I said, like, "Well, what can I do then?" I you literally know. tracked the opposite. <laughs> you live in the arsehole of Northern Ireland. We're gonna have a horrible existence, even worse than it is now. I'm not yeah. scared of death. <laughs> oh God, she's you know what? Kill us. You know... That sounds like a really good episode of Jeremy Kyle, in which the next guest is the Grim Reaper. You know, do you know what people are scared of? Emotions and love, guys. <laughs> That's the really scary stuff, I guess. Margaret, do you think you'd wet yourself if... Uh... <laughs> um, I probably, of the panel, I probably do have the weakest muscles down there. Sure. <laughs> oh, get yourself a pulvitone. <laughs> Some great is, is yours in apocalypse now? advice there. <laughs> Lou, if you heard the four-minute warning, what would you do? Well, I'd probably be oblivious. Every New Year's Eve, I forget, I don't realise, and then I come out the toilets at five minutes past or something. So I probably wouldn't realise and have a lovely death not even knowing. Or boil an egg and then eat it. That's what you've got time for. The four four minutes? minutes? I'll tell you what I'd do if I heard the four-minute warning. I would call a call centre. <laughs> Just... Because it would be quite annoying to know that the world was going to end. And I think four minutes basically on hold to a, a call centre <laughs> would make you think, oh, I think this planet's run its course. <laughs> That's a good idea. Think of the amount of vines you could see, though. <laughs> 80 vines. What, what's a vine? <laughs> hey, Lou, are you uh, a quality street person or a roses kind of lady? As a vegan, <laughs> who's just done an advert for Maltesers. <laughs> I needed oh, that money for the bees Edinburgh. as well. I'm looking at Michael's disappointed in me. I needed the money for Edinburgh. I'm so sorry to the community. <laughs> we were taught very much that Quality Street was for BBC households and Roses was for ITV. Really? Ooh. So we're a Roses household and Roses sure. are the superior... <laughs> you needed to say that um. what do you prefer Roses or Quality Street is a different question from the main one though isn't it <laughs> I guess it is unless it's used as some kind of way of siphoning off who's allowed to survive in the post <laughs> we have celebrations now anyway um. <laughs> pointless fucking question <laughs> 
Uh, Margaret, where in the house would you build a fallout shelter? <sighs> Bear in mind, you're probably going to well, have to... how long am I going to be in there? Well, you and your Christmas family may need to live in this room for God, up to 14 family. days. Oh, okay. 14 days. Well, you need a telly then. Okay. So... But no toilet. <laughs> why, why do you assume that there's no toilet in our telly room? <laughs> Toilet then, we'll, we'll go to the toilet. <laughs> oh, I don't want to piss in front of my family. You're going to have to. Oh, no. That was a Kenny Rogers song. No? <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, what room do you think the Fallout Shelter should be built in? Uh, your snooker room. Yeah, I don't really use the snooker room very often. Um, I don't know, the kitchen? The kitchen's got food in it. Yes! Ben, that's a point. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you, what, what you should do in your fallout shelter is you should take in a full medieval suit of armour and a crown and a magic-looking sword so that you can emerge afterwards claiming to <laughs> come, come to reclaim your birthright. I thought you were going to say, like, um, in Pompeii, and so they find you. Oh, right. And then <laughs> history will declare you the king of England. Yeah. <laughs> Producer Ben, what are the answers? Well, I've given out two points, um, which is amazing, given that no one really attempted to answer the question. <laughs> so I'll whip through this. According to the uh, Protect and Survive leaflet, in terms of where to put your fallout shelter, choose the place furthest from the outside walls and roof. Use the cellar if there is one. Snooker room. Yeah, under the snooker table. Actually... Yeah, slate bed, of course. I could course. give yeah. you a half, a half point. <laughs> I thought it was under... The snooker snooker room's always in the cellar. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you have a very considerate hostage taker. <laughs> Okay, so I'll give you a half mark for that. Snooker table would be good. It's horrible being chained to a radiator and seeing that snooker table there. It's like playing Stephen Hendry at his best. It's just grinding. It doesn't give you a chance. Uh, block up any openings and make any outside walls and the floor above you thicker. Dense materials like bricks, timber, boxes of earth, books and furniture are best. Your shelter should have an inner refuge, which should be built up even more. Uh, this too should be thick-lined. You could make a lean-to with sloping doors. That sounds like an Inca temple. <laughs> I think that's the aim. All Just right. uh, keep you busy with building a temple and you won't notice when you're evaporated by the, uh, the blast. <laughs> So, uh, you'll need a survival kit. There are five essential components. Here's where the points are, guys. Uh. Um, drinking water for 14 days. Margaret, point for you. Um, food, point to you, Michael. Stuff that can be eaten cold, keeps fresh. A portable radio with spare batteries. You need to listen for instructions about what to do after the attack. So, radio will work. TV wouldn't, I don't think. Um, a tin opener, bottle opener, cutlery and crockery, warm clothing, and don't forget to take this booklet with you. Michael and Andy, you've just done a weekend at a high-profile, horrible comedy club. It that was... is, I can't, no, that is very unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> at best, I get booked for art sense. <laughs> it was difficult, but the pay is excellent, so you're planning on treating yourself to vegan wine, vegan women, and FIFA 16 on the Xbox. You just need somewhere to rest your head for the night. You find a dead swanky hotel, but unfortunately, the said high-profile comedy club has gone bankrupt again and won't be paying you a penny, meaning you can only afford a budget twin with a shared bathroom. So what is the right way to get a hotel upgrade for free, according to TravelZoo.com? When you're gigging, Andy yeah. and Michael, do you go for the cheapest thing you can find or the most expensive thing on your budget? Are the two mutually exclusive? <laughs> 
<laughs> the thing to avoid is B and Bs. Oh. They're the worst things that have happened. Uh, the worst thing. than that is B or Bs. Yeah. Which you don't know which one you're. Could getting. be bed. It could be Bs. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> I once stayed in a B&B after doing a gig and I went for the cheapest one I could find in Dundee. The cheapest Dundee B&B. <laughs> what prison was that? <laughs> Just chuck a brick through a window. You'll, you'll get somewhere better. It was £14. Uh... That's an expensive brick. <laughs> That'll be quite posh in Swansea. <laughs> It was one of those ones with a shared bathroom, but there was a very rowdy group of men, so I decided to rather than use the bathroom when I needed a wee in the middle of the night, to use the plastic cup that had been given to me, but and this is what I'm very proud of, because a cup wasn't big enough for all my wee, I managed to do half a wee and then hold the rest. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fucking impressive, actually. I went to a and b on the border of England and Wales. Neither country was laying claim to it, right? <laughs> And when I got there, the lady just... She was so chuffed to say, she went, we've given you an ensuite. There was a toilet in my room. <laughs> I couldn't use it. I pissed in the sink, which was in the room, but it seemed cleaner. <laughs> you know how awful that sounds? It is actually nowhere near the worst thing that happened to me in that B&B. Because as soon as I arrived, she said to me, would you like to go straight up to your room or would you like to meet my family first? <laughs> So I just did a festival and they put me up for the night in a hotel and I thought, great, that's taken care of. Went into the room, massive shit in the toilet, not flushed away, and the sheets had not been washed. Was, I swear to God, there was like, it's not funny, but it's true and harrowing. There was like shit well, on the sheets. There was like Sam Simmons was doing the same one and I called him in to look at the sheets and he was like, yeah, I think that's blood and cum. <laughs> <laughs> what a double act! They're in the same festival. <laughs> My mum used to work in a hotel and she once rang me up really excited because people would obviously leave things in the room by accident and she once rang me up and went, you'll never guess what someone's left in the room, a false hand. (laughs) So excited. So cute. So excited. Oh, I can say a real chip off the old clock. And she also rang me up once to tell me that a really beautiful lady arrived in a limousine and with her was a dwarf. Suddenly everything is making sense to me. Was she casting director for Game of Thrones? I stayed in a really, really horrible hotel with a bunch of comedians. It was full of really, really miserable pensioners. And, um, yeah, and those we... are comedians. <laughs> And we, there was no bar and there was no mini bar. And so we did what, you know, at the end of the night when we wanted a drink, we did what everyone does, which is uh, break into the swimming pool. Um, and, we, and we swam and we, we, it was really, really fun. Producer Ben was there. He can, uh, he can verify this. But when we got out, we realised the bad thing about going swimming when you haven't planned to is that there are no towels. And we were just standing going, oh, shit, what are we going to do? And our friend Dan Mersch suddenly appeared with some really, really cold towels. <laughs> and we kept saying, where did you find these? And he kept just putting his finger over his lips and shaking his head. And to this day, I think there might have been a hotel morgue. <laughs> there were a lot of old people. Um, 
Michael, yeah. have you ever tried to blag an upgrade? Yeah, um, none of this is going to come out with me looking good. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, there's only two real ways that you can properly get a free upgrade and a hotel to a decent room. Both are immoral. One is all right, though. The other one is definitely the reason I'm going to hell. <laughs> the nice of the immoral reasons is just complain. Complain about anything. Just go, no, the towels have got all dirty and make sure you dirty up the towels. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe we give you dirty towels. Here's a lovely room. But one time I went to a hotel and they said, oh, well, here's your room. Um, I hope you don't mind. It's a room for a disabled person. And I was like, no, that's fine. And it was brilliant. Did you say you were and disabled? Then, no, I didn't. Mm. That time. <laughs> hell, Michael, hell. So hang on, you went into a reception and you said, hello, I'm disabled. <laughs> yeah. And they well, you know, didn't question it. You don't have to say, I could have... Uh, so, so, um, let's not go into what I'm Psoriasis is a disability. And I'll tell you who can tell you that that's true is any cleaner in a hotel room that I've stayed in. If you're going to blag an upgrade, um, I'd imagine the recommended thing to do is to be overheard in the lobby of the hotel saying, Oh, that's the second of those three funerals in successive days out of the way. <laughs> what a weekend. Um, so, Margaret, you went on honeymoon. Did you get a swanky... Did you tell them you were on honeymoon? Um, no, we didn't. And, and in fact, our wedding night, we stayed in the presidential suite, which was a horrible room with a kitchen in it. And when we went to the executive lounge for breakfast, and that was really shitty and grim as well, but what I did really enjoy was that they had all of these, like a buffet... And the, a man had just taken the bowl of fruit salad, like the massive bowl, and was sitting with it on its lap. <laughs> That's how uh, executive it was. <laughs> that was the best thing. Yeah, it was a no. shit hotel. Hey, producer Ben, what's the actual answer? Well, according to travelzoo.com, you can do a couple of things before you actually arrive if you want. Uh, tweet how excited you are about your upcoming stay. Make sure to at the hotel's Twitter account. This is especially effective if you have lots of followers and can be authentically effusive. Um, and don't mind looking like an absolute cunt. Yeah. Now, Andy, I'm going to give you a half a point for the uh, funeral idea. It's sort, of, it's sort of the inverse of it in the sense that you can contact them beforehand and say your visits for a special occasion. Is there anything they can do to make it more enjoyable? Who it's wouldn't want to add to the merriment, if possible? It's a special occasion. I'm disabled. <laughs> <laughs> Every day's a bonus. Uh, uh, well, at least I have company in hell now. <laughs> oh, hang on. Now, uh, Michael, I'm going to give you a point for complaining, because the other tip they give is go up to the room they initially give you, and if it isn't brilliant, immediately walk back down to the front desk and explain that you are in inverted commas, disappointed. And you would like to see oh, more rooms. Oh, thank God for that. I thought you were going to say in inverted commas, Michael Legg. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emphasise that you want to go to a higher floor. Michael, no legs. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got it, mate. It's fine. You're all, all going to be there in hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, they say, emphasise you want to go to the higher floor. These rooms are usually pricier, but staff often overlook this because they don't like the fact that you are upset. Um, so at the end of that round, what are the scores, producer Ben? Well, Michael and Annie have got three, Margaret and Lou have got one. Oh. Oh. Uh, 
This next round is agony. In this round, I'll be getting the panel to solve some problems from our audience, but before that, I'm going to ask them to start with a letter from a real agony aunt. So, Margaret, could you read this, please? Dear agony aunt... My husband had a good income. This is the voice I think she's got. My husband had a good income when we got engaged, but once we got married, we decided he would work on finishing his movie script. (laughs) That was six years ago, and he hasn't earned a penny since. I have a good job, but with one income and living in a high-cost area, we're always struggling. I love my husband. I married him because he is fearless in his artistry, and living with him makes me feel as if everything is ahead of us. (laughs) However, I'm starting to think he might be taking me for granted. And here's the brilliant last line. Is my husband an anchor or a beautiful balloon? (laughs) Michael and Andy. It slightly depends what the film script is, doesn't it? Well, it definitely does. I mean, say, for instance, it's Tron. That's already been written, and if he's taken six years to write it... copy it out. Then, yeah, he's definitely an anchor. That's what I would call him. But if he's doing, like, I don't know, Tron 4, knowing that there's going to be a third Tron movie... Also depends on what job it is he's given up. Do we know what that was? I mean, was he a hitman or...? Oh, they probably have a lot of money to rest on, if that was the case. Well, it depends how good you are at it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I don't know what the market is these days. No, it's I been, don't It's been a all. few years. <laughs> I don't know, but I would guess it's about £10,000. Right. <laughs> how fit is he? These are questions we need. How big is his... <laughs> no dick is worth six years. No. <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt's finest quote. <laughs> Margaret, you've yes. got a lovely husband. If oh, he spent God. six years writing a fucking script, <laughs> would you be supportive? I would read the script and then buy it and make it myself. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you took that seriously. <laughs> Never do that. So, I think the idea of reading the script is a very powerful notion, though. Read the script, yeah. realise he is definitely an anchor... Yeah. And then shred the script because that it, he's it holding just, in his hand and maybe push the hand it into just the says, shredder. Uh, more work and no play makes Jack right. a boy. Then he's not really an anchor, he's insane. Nice. Yeah, he might be. Michael, if you met a woman and she was prepared to fund your lifestyle while you wrote a script, you'd definitely go for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just realised you were talking about my dream. <laughs> Like, it doesn't take six years to write a script. I could write one in a day, mate. Come on. <laughs> Start with a YouTube video or something achievable. <laughs> I wrote my, all of my tweets 12 years ago. I haven't written one since. Margaret, out of your relationship, are you the anchor or the beautiful balloon? I don't think they're saying you've got one and you've got another. I think that is exactly what they're saying. Producer Ben. Can I be an anchor shaped balloon? (laughs) Ben, what is the actual answer from the lady? I hope she tells the lady to fuck off. Tells the lady to fuck off? Yeah, that's just. No, tell the lady to to fuck off out of the relationship. No, like it works fine. To fuck herself on. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck yourself on, love. (laughs) The advice comes from Dear Prudence at Slate.com. She says, I think anchor is too limited a word to describe your husband. (laughs) 
I see him as a pair of cement shoes, and if you stay with him, you will eventually drown in your tears. <laughs> it's notable that upon marrying you and locking in your income, he took to the couch with the remote and hasn't been motivated since. You say he's a fearless artist. I say he's made an art of being a bum. You say he makes you feel everything is still ahead of you. If you stay with him, I can promise that what's ahead is just more wasted years. Point to Michael and Andy. Oh, P.S. Well Fuck, Fuck yourself, yourself on. on. <laughs> so now you've seen how an agony aunt does it. Let's try you out with some real problems from tonight's audience. It's Dan here. Yeah. Dan says, I'm starting a new job. Any tips for what to do and what not to do in my first few days slash weeks? Don't get your dick out. (laughs) Depends on the job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rent boy, do get your dick out. Please. What is the job? He's shaking his head. It's not a rent boy. It's not a rent boy, no. Primary school teacher. Good advice. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Uh, IT. Don't tuck your skirt into your knickers. Because I, I had a really embarrassing thing where I'd tuck my skirt into my knickers and somebody who I hadn't worked with but worked on the same floor as me sort of came up and was really embarrassed and said, you've, you've got your skirt tucked into your knickers. And I was like, oh, oh thank you. Um, and then shortly after that, my department moved to the other side of town. And then four years later, we moved back. And I swear, on the day we moved back, I bumped into this woman in the lift and she looked super embarrassed. And she oh. sort of smiled. And I, yeah, yeah, I was like, over. oh, for God's sake, get over it. And then I got out of the lift and I tucked my skirt into my... And you're going so out with she just... <laughs> That's how I met my husband. No, she just thinks I spend my life doing that as an insane exhibitionist. Wow. So don't do that. On your first day, even though you're sort of uptight and a bit nervous, befriend someone who's been there for a long time and is a bit sassy, but knows the place. Now... She and a lot of the other staff will have a lot to say about the boss's secretary. But, trust me, if you hang on in there, the three of you will team up against him. Okay, so how old's this reference? <laughs> any, any guesses? Yeah. 82? It's between the years five and nine. <laughs> what you need to do on your first day in an IT job is go up to a computer, look absolutely horrified. <laughs> say everyone has to leave the building (laughs) then half an hour later you say sorted that's brilliant that's so brilliant Uh, Dan who would you award points to in this situation I'm going to go for Michael and his bizarrely historic reference oh Michael well I'm telling you it works out in in one scenario you get to tie him up (laughs) You can't see this fucking film! Is it flash dance? <laughs> it's not that up to date. Um, producer Ben, at the end of that round, who has got all the points? Well, Michael and Andy still in the lead with five. Margaret and Lou are storming behind them now with two. Oh, no! So, believe it or not, there are some questions the internet just can't answer, like, what's that doing there? In these instances, <laughs> in these instances, we need to ask the expert. Ask, 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 ask. Yeah. So in this round, the panel have to decide what an expert would do without actually asking them. Basically, it's like being an MP. So let's welcome today's trained professional, it's sex expert Alex Fox. Woo!
massive stool, oh. which incidentally is some people's fetish. That's <laughs> called scat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant a real stool. I was really confused. Um, <laughs> hey, somebody out there. You used to give sex advice for Men's Fitness magazine. I did. I got that job because I used to help edit a magazine called Bizarre, which was oh, very, I very different Bizarre, yeah. to Men's Fitness, but we worked in the same office. and. Men's Fitness decided that they wanted to spice things up, and they oh my got. God, this is an office of romance. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but surely all their willies have shrunk from steroids. That's why they need help. <laughs> right, panel. In a moment, you're going to have to second guess what advice Alex would give in some sexy scenarios. But before that, you've got a chance to get to know her a little bit better by asking some questions. How do you have sex? <laughs> I can only tell you how to have sex with me. Okay, right now. I've got. I've I'm got listening. It's after the show. <laughs> what is the best type of sex? Consensual, am I right? <laughs> About time. About time. And also at the butt. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it. <laughs> Michael, you must have some questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got Would loads. you like to speak to me quietly afterwards? <laughs> well, no, I'm happy to talk to you loudly now. Um, <laughs> why do I not get any sex? <laughs> we're, all, we're all listening. Just Have you tried to... Uh, Upgrading your hotel room. <laughs> oh, I see. You think they don't like me because I'm disabled. <laughs> Absolutely offensive. Horrible. Do you know what? We're in heaven now, Andy. You're an abomination. You're a monster. A sexy, sexy monster. Also, Michael, it's not true. I know three people you've had sex with. There was no... <laughs> Yeah. They're all vegan now. Yeah. Oh yeah, Michael That's fucks the dairy out of them. <laughs> <laughs> how many positions are there? Sixteen and a half. I thought yeah. there's no such thing as half a position. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> so doing it through a door. <laughs> Are you including the false nine in that? Because that's too... <laughs> what do you say to people who are terrible at sex? I don't think anyone's really terrible at sex. Well, that's not true. Um, <laughs> I have made it my life's work <laughs> to, be, to be one of those people. No, of course there are. Of course there are, right? Like, some people just can't swim. And that is no, my sexual turn on. <laughs> That's what I like. <laughs> That's why you love the film The Titanic. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's the first scenario we put to Alex. Alex is approached for help by a man who's into sploshing. His current girlfriend has no idea about his filthy fantasies and he'd love to come clean to her. He confesses he'd be hugely turned on if she was willing to have a go at getting messy with him. Unfortunately, his lover is a neat freak. She vacuums the house multiple times a week. What a weirdo. What advice would Alex give to this man to help persuade his lover to get really dirty? I can tell Andy doesn't know what sploshing is and I yeah. don't know either. It's, it's Even the opposite of splishing. 
What is sploshing? Sploshing is a fetish where people love to get wet and messy or watch someone else get wet and messy. Using all sorts of substances from mud to custard to baked beans to shaving foam to Rugby. slime. <laughs> Comic relief. <laughs> Tis was. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Walt. TV was very different then. Yeah. It's funny because when I'm eating, that's what I do. I've got stuff all down me, and, and boys don't find it arousing at all. <laughs> it just seems very sticky. Yeah. Has anybody on the panel ever done food sex? A sort of uh, English breakfast. Oh, you scoop that out, will you, mate? <laughs> some yogurt on my ass. <laughs> Why have you got yogurt in your English breakfast? Yeah. That's continental. Yeah, that's continental yeah. at best. Thank <laughs> a... you, Brussels. <laughs> British breakfasts for British people. Speaking of yoghurt, there are some people who advocate if you've got an attack of thrush, dipping a tampon in natural yoghurt and popping it up your foof. And I had to give... Well, I did have to give advice to a young lady who'd done the same with a Muller fruit corner. And then found herself with little bits of raspberry pips up a cooter. Did he take over from Muller Omar in Afghanistan? <laughs> So, so, sorry, the question is that a guy has come up and said that he's into it's, splashing, it's, it's but his girlfriend... What advice would Alex give to persuade someone into doing a sexual thing that maybe they're not... Tar- tarpaulin. Oh. Lay down loads of tarpaulin <coughs> and then gather it up and then... Um... Do you know what tarpaulin is? <laughs> you lay it down and then you gather it up. Well, and then you're just too tired yeah. for sex because there's a lot, of, a lot of work has gone into that. <laughs> First question, what's tarpaulin? (laughs) Second question, lay it down anyway. (laughs) I meant like a, you know a twister mat? Yeah. It's like made of plastic, pop that on the floor, then get your spreads out, your condiments, whatever you like, whatever you like splotting with, and then just have a nice time, roll around, play twister at the same time if you like, two games in one. Could you start having sex and then just like accidentally knock a, a can of paint over them? That's <laughs> a good idea. Like, oh, while we're here. Yeah, just start really gradually and then every time you have sex, <laughs> yeah, just have something a little bit, bit more. more. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of Marmite on your nipples. Oh, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, Alex, what advice would you give in this situation? Okay, well, I'm going to give a point to Margaret. Because you would start slowly. I would maybe advise starting things in the bathroom rather than the bedroom so that if the girlfriend in question doesn't like the sensation of being covered in sludge, then she can cleanse both herself and the tiles quite easily. I'm also going to give two points to Lou because you said use a tarpaulin. I wouldn't say use a tarp. Uh, But you can get these fully waterproof sheets but that feel nice and silky. What do they retail at? So you can whack them straight in the washing machine. Do you not just um, wait for a rainy day and have a go in the garden? <laughs> I've got a communal garden. I just think it's uh, We've heard. Sorry. You get an extra point for mentioning Twister as well, yes. because I would say, as well as making it gradual, I'd say make it as playful as possible. So the second scenario we put to Alex is, a lovely married couple have seen Fifty Shades of Grey and want to build their own sauce dungeon, but also 
They've recently had the conservatory done, so are low on cash. Martin Lewis from MoneySavingExpert.com. Now I'm aroused. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's refused to help. So they've turned to Alex for advice. But how does she suggest they make their home bondage playroom on a budget dreams come true? So, Andy, have you seen so Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, I've read it. It was a, um, was that a book of lighting designs <laughs> by the 1980s New Zealand off-spinner Evan Gray. <laughs> it's, it's a risky building a, your own dungeon. It can uh, you know, undermine the foundations of your property. I think you probably want to see if you can get some council funding. Like those kind of communal bike shelters that you get. You want to need to find other couples in the area who are also thinking of building their own fuck dungeon. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sore a timeshare fuck dungeon. <laughs> does, it, like, does it count as a dungeon if you maybe put it in the attic? No! Does that make it cheaper? <laughs> you can't go up to a dungeon. There's still ropes crazy talk, and it? shackles. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's going to have a different word for it. Oh, OK. Maybe attic. dig a hole in the garden and pop yourself down there. <laughs> <laughs> Do it in the recycling bin. I've not, that's the greenest way, isn't it? What's wrong with a fuck yurt? <laughs> can you not have a tent? You can't tie things off of it. Like, you do need no, you can use tent pegs. You can peg them to the ground. <laughs> you could double it up with a snooker room, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Those balls are yeah. very good. <laughs> so, maybe. <laughs> Michael, if, if you I had a pound for every time a woman has said that to me, I would have just earned my first pound. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said those balls are really good. <laughs> Margaret, if you had to beat Dan oh saucily at home, what, uh, what, what kitchen implements would you get out? Fish slice? Fine. Sieve. Uh, <laughs> colander, because it makes it look historical. <laughs> Got a lot of historical gear you can wear that. George Foreman grill would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Alex, what advice would you give in this situation? Well, there are lots of cheap things you can already use round your home, which I like to call pervertible convertibles. Um, some of which I'm going to give you a point for because some of them are located in your kitchen. Um, it's very easy to use uh, wooden spatulas and things as spanking devices. Like um, a fish slice. Well, you could use a fish they're, slice. They're, you could they're plastic. You could use a metal not. one. You could pop it in oh, the freezer for a bit of temperature play yeah, if you wanted to. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know you. fish slices, then. <laughs> Bit of temperature play is a casual way of brushing off global warming, isn't it? Before we move on, Alex, is stroking a stinging nettle down your partner's penis sexy or horrible? <laughs> when did you do that? Can I answer that for you? <laughs> if, if you're wearing a dock leaf over your vagina, it's fine. <laughs> actually not an uncommon form of S&M practice. There's lots of things that you can use from your garden <laughs> to torture your partner with, including nettles, uh, thorns. I did once um, use a ginger shower gel, which was really, oh. really hurts. Have you yeah. heard of the practice of figging? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely pudding. <laughs> 
Well, it depends where you're putting it because it involves peeling a piece of raw root ginger and then inserting it up your pain-loving partner's backside where it will will cause you to lose the power of speech through its intense, fiery, burning sensation. That was a a very similar thing. It was a punishment for adultery in ancient Greece. Uh, That's actually true. Yeah, I'd studied uh, ancient Greek at university. I'm using that knowledge. It was all worth every penny of a state pay. Are you peeling it first? I, I don't, I'm not been to ancient Greece. Um, you have to, yeah. I peel it afterwards if you're yeah. going to eat it. <laughs> Thing is, it's all well and good, like having a red-hot vegetable shoved up your ice. But, like, it's the summer, it's hot. What about a lovely cucumber? Ooh, that's, yeah, refreshing. Oh, that, that sounds refreshing. Nice. That does. sounds nice. Cucumber or watermelon? But please... <laughs> There, Danielle. Come on, guys. Small at the front, big at the back. <laughs> I cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> Thank you, sex expert Alex Fox. Before we hit the final round, what are the scores, producer Ben? Well, it's all turned round. Michael and Annie are still on five. Margaret and Lou are now on seven. Yeah. Oh my God! Filthy, filthy. I knew I'd come into my own on that round. <laughs> Do the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. In this final round, I want the panelists to tell me what is the wrongest thing to do in any given situation. The winner gets three stars on Uber. <laughs> the round ends when we hear producer Ben's big bassoon. So, first one. You wake up to find Margaret stood over you, dressed like a sexy horse. What is the wrong thing to do? <laughs> Say you've got the part. Congratulations. <laughs> Is it call your friend who's a chef in a French restaurant? <laughs> Paul Hollywood asks you to breastfeed him. What is the wrong thing to do? Admit you've heard of Paul Hollywood. <laughs> Say you'll do it, but only if you can watch while he breastfeeds Mary Berry. <laughs> You arrive at a party to find Grace and Perry is wearing the same dress as you. What is the wrong thing to do? Swap them. <laughs> well, the wrong thing to do is to not team up and fight crime. <laughs> your partner wants to dress as a sexy brundlefly for your annual Halloween... For your annual it? Halloween party slash lovemaking session. Well, what is a brundlefly? Is that, is that like something to do with Martin Brundle, the Formula, Formula One driver? Brundlefly is from the fly. Oh, right. Too niche, move on. <laughs> the Queen sends you a DM. Sorry, I've so... got an answer for that. Oh, okay. I unzip my pants slowly and I insert him. <laughs> yeah, cut that question. Yeah. <laughs> the Queen sends you a DM saying she wants you to be the next monarch. What is the wrong uh, thing to do? Dick pic. <laughs> Killer. <laughs> so then you can get that's the wrongest thing to do uh, no, yeah very good fucker and killer Thank you. <laughs> killer and fucker confusing isn't it she you... can bench 350 did you know <laughs> <laughs> amazing power to weight ratio <laughs> uh, ironically because she doesn't actually wield any executive power but she has formidable physical power <laughs> 
was all going so well. <laughs> like a marriage, after the kids have left home, there's really no point in sticking around. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but you, you all know it's true. Producer Ben, what are the final scores? Well, the final scores, very close. Michael and Andy have nine, Margaret and Lou have ten. again just to say that if you enjoyed the sex advice bit on this edition of do the right thing you can hear more on a podcast called the modern man where every week ollie man and i tackle a different sex related quandary from a listener that's the modern man find it at modernman.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts